0: Welcome, podcast listeners. Before we get started, please go ahead and do yourself and ourselves a favor. Before we get into this first show of October 2020, go ahead and pinch yourself to prove that this is reality and not to some bizarre dream that you are having. Yes, it's October 2020 and the NBA Finals are going on. The New England Patriots are 2-2 and and for the first time since 2013, Elliot Kipchoge has lost a marathon. Yes, we know none of that makes any sense to most of your brains. Kipchoge lost the London Marathon in October, a race that had 47 finishers, not 42,000. Not only did he lose, he was only eighth place. None of this is made up. This is the new reality. We're going to talk about London. We're also going to talk about how the Accident is coming to America. The Tokyo Marathon has been postponed. We may have found our... Newest NCA cross-country star. Will Minnesota cross-country be canned on Friday? And VIP subscribers, we're going to get you ready for the World Record Day, which is tomorrow, Wednesday. We're going to preview that. Everybody else, if you want to become a VIP subscriber and get the bonus content, sign up now. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. Support independent journalism. You get huge shoe discounts. Add. F- light, message board experience, all of that and much more. Let's com slash subscribe.
1: Well, Robert, I want to hop in here and just say, you said no one could see this coming. And I'll admit if you told me Elliot Kipchoge lost the London marathon in October at the start of the year, I would have been pretty surprised, but I know you like to give, you like a good victory lap on this show. We all like to pat ourselves on the back. Can you please cue up the audio from the first episode of 2020 A predictions episode i was on vacation this week but i sent in a prediction and i think you have the audio queued up right now
0: you ask you shall receive folks i've been giving john a hard time in recent weeks for some mistakes he's been making on the job but he nailed it january 3rd of 2020 listen to what was said on this very same podcast john's big bull prediction was his overall has to make a big bull prediction Yes. His big bold prediction for 2020, and I kind of agree with this, um, he predicts that Kipchoge will lose a marathon in 2020. I actually think that's a good prediction. Nobody's won at the rate he's won. But he showing he's getting closer. There you have it, John. Congratulations. Actually, I should be congratulating myself. You did hear me say, I think that's a good prediction. I knew it. You knew it, John. Everybody saw, No one saw it coming except for you and me. That's why people listen to this podcast. This
2: is ridiculous, guys. Like, I heard John patting himself on the back saying, oh, I predicted this. I'm pretty sure everyone probably predicted this when asked for a prediction in 2020. So, good job, guys. I mean, I, I, I'm probably bet if you kept listening to that podcast, I said the same thing. Predicting a guy loses a marathon really isn't that hard. But sort of somewhat joking, but in all seriousness, it shows how damn amazing Elliot Kipchoge's streak was. You have to go back to 2000. 13, the fall, to when a human being last lost the marathon. It's not like he hadn't run one. He's running two a year, every year, until this year. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. We just took this guy for granted. We didn't take him for granted, but just that consistency. One thing goes wrong in a marathon. We all know this. Anyone who's run a marathon, and you're screwed. And he was perfect for seven years. So London 2020... I think the story is always going to be, it's the marathon Kipchoge lost. And he said, because of an ear problem. I mean, an ear problem. What? I've never heard that as an excuse in a marathon before.
1: Yeah, that was weird. And well, and you're totally right. I mean, Kipchoge, making a bold prediction of a marathon or losing a marathon it really shouldn't count. You know, that's, you know, I'll say it myself. It's kind of a weak ass prediction. But Kipchoge made it real. Ten straight marathon victories and these were like the most competitive marathons on earth this was London this was Berlin this was the Olympics he literally had to stop racing people and race the clock just to find some sort of challenge in the sport that's how phenomenal this guy was and yeah the the ear blockage it's weird like I remember we were talking about this after the race and Robert's like what is what is an ear blockage what does that even mean so I sort of I reached out to his agent Valentine Trow and he sent me this text message back. He said, Elliot's ear got fully blocked during the race. That affected then also his coordination, did not take any drinks anymore, and whole movement. So still a little unclear exactly what happened, but the way I interpret it is, I mean, I know there are some sort of balance. I'm not a scientist, but there's balance stuff, balance nerves in the ear, right? And I feel like maybe that threw off threw him off somehow and that may have played into it, and I don't know. I mean, clearly he thought it was an issue, certainly one he hadn't encountered in a race before.
2: Any medical professionals out there want to email us? Coincidentally, I've been having a problem with my left ear. It feels like i got water in my ear, that I'm at altitude, so you can solve that problem as well. I'd appreciate it. Email Wejo at Let'sRun.com. Thank you. Actually, if you want to reach us, you can call 844-LET'S-RUN. As Robert says, like Facebook, like Twitter. Unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, you can pick up the phone and call us eight four four Let's Run option seven to leave a message for the podcast. The secret option seven—it's actually not there. You have to hit seven.
0: Well, as the people who don't like me talking about COVID know, I certainly don't have a medical degree, but I have a, an expert opinion on the skipjockey thing. I just kind of assumed it meant he originally when I was watching the race, it meant that he was sick, you know. But now I'm thinking, did something weird happen, like upon a plane? But bigger picture here, let's take a step back and think do you guys still view him is this a big like he's done he's finished he's never going to come back or do you just view this as he was off on this day I'm taking the latter approach I'm not worried about him um, obviously he is getting older but you know I think I would be more worried if it was a super fast race in good conditions and he gets beat you know all I know here is Kipchoge got beat on a day that I wouldn't want to be running 40 degree temperature and rain it's a miserable day Something started bothering him, and whatever. When you guys were watching this, did you see this coming? You know, I'll admit I was up for what? I got up at three in the morning, so I was up. I was really tired watching basically three hours straight of an elite marathoning. Um, and when I'm say I'm watching, I'm normally like posting on the message board, getting screenshots ready, etc. So I'm not watching that much, but I don't know, like. I wasn't really, I don't think my brain was functioning well enough to think if I anticipated it. But this, this afternoon I I went back and was watching the BBC broadcast, which I hadn't seen with Steve Cram and those guys. And they did a really good job. Like they were predicting Kipchoge. They thought he didn't look good. They saw some grimacing. And I don't remember hearing that on the broadcast that I, that I was listening to.
1: Yeah. So Robert, to take your first point earlier, I don't think he's done. I think anyone who says that is ridiculous. Like, he had a bad day. Most marathoners have him and bounce back. I'm sure Kipchoge will be no different. I'm not worried about him. He's still the favorite for the Olympics next year, no doubt. But to get to your other point, like, did I think things were wrong? So there are a few things, like, during the... I didn't really watch a ton of the first half of the race because I was finishing recapping the women's race, But and Sarah Hall's fantastic run, which we'll get to in a little bit. But the second half what I thought was weird was he got to like 30, 35 K and that pack is still really big. And normally what happens in a Kipchoge marathon is once the paces get out, drop out, he keeps pushing the gas. He maybe even picks up the pace and that pack starts to fall. And him, there were nine guys still there with only a few miles left. And, that's not normal for Kipchoge. And the fact that he wasn't up there pushing it and stringing these guys out, that was one warning sign. I think the other thing, the point in the race where I seriously was like, okay, something might be up, is when Katata kind of went to the lead. And of that, I think it was seven or eight people left in that group at that point. And he didn't, it wasn't his definitive move. It wasn't like they were kicking on the final lap. But he went to the front and Kipchoge just let him go by. And Kipchoge sort of slid back and back and he was maybe seventh or eighth. And that was weird because if Kipchoge was really feeling good, he'd just be right on the shoulder of the leader getting ready to make his move. And instead he was sort of towards the back of that lead pack. And then you saw, he had, at that point, he had his sort of grin slash grimace that he usually has. And that's normally when he's like really working hard, but he's at least flying. This time he was working hard and he was not running super super fast and then he was just legit grimacing like i saw a couple times i was like i've never seen kipchoge make that expression in a marathon he looked like he was hurting and then eventually you know katada really strung it out and it happened but i i still he's so good that i still was like not totally i'm like i'm not totally counting this guy out but definitely there were some warning signs there
0: I mean, I think we've seen a pack with Kipchoge at the Olympics. I think at 30K, there were still like nine guys in the pack. I mean, there was something like 40 at halfway. But then really quickly, yeah, between 30 and 32K, it was down to like four people. Um, So that was interesting. But, you know, you talk about that grimace and the smile. I mean, that was the thing when I went back and was looking at the end of the race. Cram had said, he's like, oh, I've noticed the grimace. He was saying it wasn't the smile. So, it's an interesting thing because I read an article last week, uh, there was a scientific study saying they sent out video clips of runners running and they said, all right, coaches, tell these coaches and they said, try to tell us who's the most efficient runner and people and the coaches did not get it right. And so scientifically, they're saying like, look, people cannot tell who's the most efficient runner. And I was wondering if that would apply to a broadcast. They always say, oh, look, who looks good, who looks, who looks bad. Does that mean anything? And I was thinking the scientific study might say it's not. But in this case, maybe it was blind luck. But Steve Cram was, you know, was getting it right when I, when I listened, you know, to to to, to the to the broadcast there. Um, but Shura Kitata does get the win. He was second in London, second in New York in 2018. A very deserved win, in my opinion, because. When you look at who he was, the one guy that was at the front of the pack repeatedly, you know, and I, I feel like okay, we want a deserving winner to beat Kipchoge, and, and, and he's it. Um, the, the crazy thing is, there was never any big moves. Like there was never a sub four forty mile at the end. Like the next to last kilometer on on, on the London site is listed as being two fifty nine. Um, this morning, I tr- got out my stopwatch and tried to figure out, like, how fast were they running at the end, and I timed the last 1,000, um, and I think I got, like, 250, and that's, like, 435 mile pace, not that fast. Um, I actually timed the last 400, and what do you guys think about this? I timed it right at 59, 960 flat, and... I was like, that seems kind of fast. Maybe I should ask Let's Run.com stat coaching guru John Killa. Can a guy close a marathon in 60 flat? Um, He'll get back to me in a second. But when I went back and looked at it, because one didn't have these markers, 1,600, 400. What doesn't make sense is from 1,000 to 600 was run in 70 seconds. Okay, that would be right. But then from 600 to 400 it was running 41 seconds. That's over 5:20 pace. No, that doesn't make sense. So something was off about those markers on the side. But again, if you even if you go back to the London the the marathon has a listed 41k mark and they have a listed 25 mile mark and the, the last mile was not super fast. It really came down really to the last you know, maybe the last 1000 was a little bit faster.
2: Okay, Robert talks about a deserving winter. Winter, excuse me. There's no bonus points and running. People act like they are. They wish there were bonus points. Like Prefontaine deserves like a few extra seconds for pushing the pace, leading the pace. The guy who crosses the line gets the win. And i sure Katata was that guy. I don't care what he was doing at mile 25, 25 and a half. But Vincent Kipchumba, totally unheralded, gave him a run for his money. Because Katata was ahead. Then Chipchumba, Kipchumba got ahead. And then Katakata came back. So, I mean, it was a great finishing sprint, if you haven't seen it. And, Robert, you're saying they weren't running that fast and stuff? I think a lot of us, we might be underestimating the weather, just how bad it was. We weren't in London. I was watching here. It didn't even look like it was raining, maybe misting at times. But people who were in London, you know, they they said it was bad. And when you think about it, 50s. Low 50s isn't bad, but it's rainy and windy. It's cold. Here's a poster on a thread saying, I did my long run in London. It's possibly one of the worst days of the year so far to run. Now, granted, you know, this is just the start of the fall. Cold, quite windy, with horrible gusts, and rain ranging from mid to heavy. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is the worst day and 10 is the best to run, we were definitely around a 3 today. I quite And shockingly for Let's Run, this guy says, I pack quite a lot of fat. Yeah, it was still running in the jacket and was still cold. So I can see how Kipchoge had an off day.
1: Yeah, weather was definitely... I mean, you look at the women's race, especially, how fast they went out, like 68-something for the top two. And Ruth Kipchoge totally blew up the second half. Pretty much everyone ran a sizable positive split in that race. And the women who, you know, Molly Seidel and Sarah Hall, they actually ran fairly close to even and were able to pick up some... Places in the second half. But Weldon, I just want to go back to the point you made. You said, you know, there's nothing about deserve and and running, that sort of thing. You're telling me, if you watch like a 10K on the track, and one guy led, led every step of it, and someone else is just sitting on him the whole time, and that guy blows by to win, you're just like... That guy, yeah, totally. He deserved it. He ran the best way. Like, you're not telling me you're not rooting for the guy who was leading the whole way down the home straight. I think anyone who's a runner is going to be rooting for the guy who led, like, 9,500 meters of that thing, right?
2: So, John, you as a Brit, you're saying you root against Mo Farah?
1: But you don't... All right, when, when one of the... Fa- First of all, I don't root for any pro runners. Uh, I'm a journalist. I'm impartial. But second of all, in those World Championship finals... There wasn't one guy who was solo running the whole thing up front. It was usually a team effort. These guys, team Ethiopians teaming up to to try to beat him, or Kenyans teaming up to try to beat him.
2: Once again, John showing he's a true journalist with the fake news. No, fake John. News. Fake news.
1: It's like it's like these guys who are gleefully
0: wishing for death upon Donald Trump, pretending they're not. And this is like Jonathan Galt showing his true liberal card there when he acts like he doesn't have a root for anyone. Come on, John. That's why I'm more honest. I omit if I root for someone, I shouldn't have rooted for them, but I did.
1: It's not hard in individual sports. I don't have a favorite tennis player. I don't have a favorite golf player, golfer. It's very easy to meet from to root for where I'm from and the teams for where I'm from. I genuinely just don't really. I've never had really like favorites in individual sports. Okay,
0: let me let me put it this way. When you're at the real olympics and it's justin gatlin and usain bolt or one of these world championships and they're on the hundred meter start line and the gun goes off you're telling me you, you you'd be happy if, if gatlin had won
1: well I, i'm also fundamentally against doping in sports so i know i wouldn't i'll admit in that case i wouldn't have been happy that he won i i but i also look
0: but he wasn't rooting folks this is
1: this is Anyway, is it going to ruin my day? Like, no, I got to write about it either way, so I don't. It's it's okay. But look, I don't want a dopa winning the hundred meter title, so in that case, I'd be more satisfied with the bolt outcome.
0: But back to the race and the weather. I do think it was horrific. I mean, I wasn't paying that much attention to watching the race, but my my one thought was, well, wow, when Kipchoge wins this thing, I'm going to be praising this guy for being smart and not being dumb and realizing, hey man, the weather sucks. I'm not going to try to run fast today. Although it was about a 205 race, I mean, still pretty fast, but you know, I saw what happened in the women's race. Why, why kill myself? I'm just going to blow these guys away at the end. And, you know, so that's why I'm not taking away big conclusions. I mean, Yuki Kaliuchi and Des Linden won the Boston Marathon that year. I, I view that as a complete 100% fluke for Yuki and a pretty close to a fluke at that stage in her career for Des Linden, but because of the weather, somebody had to win. I don't view London quite in the same extent, but. To me, this means Kipchoge might have been sick and he doesn't run well in 40 40 degrees in rain. When is he ever going to have to run a marathon ever again in 40 degrees in rain? Never. But there were a few people that did run well.
1: Have you been to London or Boston in April, Robert?
0: Uh, I guess it's possible. We'll, We'll get to Kipchoge in Boston in a minute. A few people did run PRs. I mean there was like a, a, a Irish guy Scullion ran a two oh nine PR. Uh, Molly Seidel, the American, ran a two twenty-five PR, although she's only run two marathons, and other one was very hilly. But you know, Weldon had a good stat in the women's recap. Bridget Coast women's winner, f- almost five minutes out her PR. Sarah Hall, great run, only fifteen seconds off her PR. Ruth it, almost five minutes off her PR. Ashade Bakary, two thirty-seven off her PR. Fifth placer, McGurtu, three twenty-two off of her PR. So it was not a great day for a lot of the Africans. Maybe they're not used to the cold and rain. Maybe they're more affected by the cold and rain than sort of the American runners or the Western runners. We've also had that theory that the Western runners have a higher body fat percentage so that perhaps they do better in the heat. I mean, in the cold than, than African born runner. So number of factors could that be that, but let's talk for a minute here about Sarah Hall. I mean, I got up at halfway about 3 o'clock or whatever it was, turned on the TV, and I see Sarah. And I'm like, man, she looks pressured. She looks like she's pressured halfway. I go, she doesn't look good. She is working hard already. And uh, boy, was I wrong. She was just locked in, working hard, and she kept working hard for the entire second half. And then, you know, when she moved into, I saw her in fourth, and I'm like, oh, she's definitely going to get third. I was pretty excited. I sent out a tweet about it. Then I'm like, can she possibly get second? And if you haven't seen the clip I put up in Vimeo in our women's recap, it was amazing because Dina Castor 20 years ago at the Foot Locker Championship discounted Sarah Hall. And it was very funny. On the NBCSN broadcast, she discounted again. She's like, oh, there's too much ground to make up. But this is with like two minutes left. And Sarah Hall made up like 10 seconds or something. Incredible run for Sarah. Hats off to her.
1: It is pretty remarkable. I mean, you look 40K. So that's, you know, a little over a mile to the finish. It's like maybe you know, less than a mile and a half to the finish. She was 40 seconds behind Ruth and gedich And I I don't blame really Dina saying that because she was so far back. But then once Cosgai crossed the finish line, they cut back to the race for second and third or the race for second. And you saw how much faster she was moving. I was like, oh man, you know, she's got a shot. And that was, that made getting up at, you know, two in the morning to watch this thing worth it, and I think any American fan who was up at the same time would say the same thing, it was just, that is what you dream of, as a runner, is just, to have your race of the life, you're running down the world champion you've got more left than they do you get him right at the end, second place I mean, the race of her life for Sarah Hall, and it's pretty impressive, you know she was, for a long time, she was just a jack of all trades, really, you know ran a lot of US championships ran a lot of different distances but you'd never say, like Oh, Sarah Hall. She's you know she's one of the very best in the U.S. She never made an Olympic team in any of those distances. I don't think she ever made, even made a world team yet. Now she's you know she's number six all time in the U.S. and she's second in the London Marathon. First American male or female on the podium since two thousand six.
0: I'm actually looking at the London side. They have an official twenty five mile split, which is you know forty k is about twenty four point eight five or something. She so was still thirty eight seconds back. Amazing that leads to the question great post on the message board who has the better marathon career sarah hall or her husband ryan ryan never got second in a major when i saw this i thought wow could that possibly be true without thinking about it just that was the first thought that came to me i was like this is an amazing thread i went to it did a little bit of research and the answer is most definitely not but i'm pleased i immediately called jonathan galt up and i said john don't do any research." What do you think the answer to this? Can you say Sarah Hall now has had a better marathon in her career than Ryan? He also said absolutely not. Weldon, did you see this thread? Did you buy it? Sarah Hall is the better marathoner than Ryan Hall. Okay, there's two
2: threads apparently. I saw the thread, did not click on that one. The one I did click on is what does Sarah Hall have to do to be the female goat for American marathoners? And I sort of laughed at that one. I think both of these are a bit preposterous, but it shows so far how far she's come. But as an American runner, if you never make an Olympics, sorry. I guess in the marathon, maybe there's so few chances we could forgive you. But of the current generation, I guess let's talk about Ryan first. Her versus Ryan. Ryan redefined what was possible for American men's marathoners. I mean, uh, ones who had at least been born here. I mean, we had um, Canucci, who had run faster than him, but Canucci had switched allegiance while representing the U.S., So, in a dark period, coming off of a dark period of American marathoning, Ryan Hall sort of
1: rewrote what was possible. Well, don't don't forget Meb as well. Meb got the silver in Athens and, you know, won New York in 2009. He was doing some pretty impressive stuff, too.
2: Right. So, I guess Meb had been first in Athens, but hadn't run that fast. And then Hall, sort of in between, before Meb won in New York, just sort of started running very fast. 206s and 204s. But... there was just you were you know he was the top guy for a couple of years in america sarah hall uh, i this one in performance is amazing but are you going to tell me she's the top american marathoner female right now i don't know and there's the whole shoe question which we're gonna we can get into
1: look we had the olympic trials in february she didn't even make the team like the to, uh, to argue that she's the top american marathoner i just think is kind of ridiculous Well, I
2: agree with you, John, but also, none of these other women are getting second in London. London is the best marathon in the world, and she just
1: got All right. Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. Maybe that's not ridiculous. You
2: could argue the weather or whatever, but you could argue this is more impressive than. um, uh, This is not how it works out, but it's more impressive than Daz winning Boston or something. I mean, because if Bridget Koska is not there, Sarah Hall wins the damn thing. All
1: right. All right. I take my back. Take my point back. It's not ridiculous to concept. I'm just saying we did have an Olympic trials. And she didn't make the team, but it's she was the fastest marathoner in the U.S. last year. She's the fastest this year. Second in London. Certainly, you could argue she is the best in the in the country.
2: In terms of a goat, like that's just crazy as well. Because I, I wouldn't argue. Yeah, like John, she's not the best of her generation. I think if you put them all in a race on a tough course, I'm not picking her. And but even of just the recent generation, I'd rather be Des. I'd rather be Shalane. I'd rather be Amy Craig. So
0: well, that's not even debatable. I mean, someone's top on the goat. someone saying Is she the goat must be a, a troll. She hasn't even run as fast as Jordan to say, but this was a good run for her. You know, let, let's don't discount that. But you know, it's interesting. Like, what do you consider closer to the win? Yes, she was second place, but she was three or three behind the winner. Guess how many times in his career Ryan Hall finished closer than that to a major. Yes, he wasn't finishing second, but the depth of the men's running is so much greater than the women's running. It's not really a fair comparison. Seven different majors, Ryan Hall finished within 303 of the winner. Um, and that doesn't even – so that I could, you could argue those seven runs are all better than this run. And there's two other races not even included in that, the two Olympic trials races. One where he dominated the Olympic trials in 2007 and just destroyed everybody. And the other when he got um, second. So he made two Olympic teams. So you could argue there's nine marathons you know, on that front. that that are better than this. I I wouldn't say that all nine are are better than this, but, you know, and he also was much closer to the world record. But Jonathan Galt made a a brilliant point about this. You know, appreciate them for what they were. Ryan would have never run the race Sarah did. Ryan was running at the front. Even when they were running 202 in Boston, he was going with it. His very first marathon, I got up, I remember I didn't used to get up to watch these Londons. I got up to watch Ryan Hall's debut and he had the lead in London at 30K. And that was a stacked field. So, but it's just—it's really inspiring to see Sarah do this. I don't know how you adopt four children, have time to even run, let her run, run at that level. There was a great clip that the World Marathon Majors had of her crying afterwards. Um, Ryan, kudos to them because the Halls talked a big game before this one. They said she was in an amazing shape. Ryan said she wanted to go out in 70 flat, and that's why the day before the race, am I, could she possibly be the U.S. record holder? I think it's possible with the
1: new shoes. With this weather, what do you think she could have run with good weather? Everybody
0: else was four or five minutes of the leads were four to five minutes off their PRs. Now, maybe the Americans are better suited or something. I don't know. But yes, it would not. At this point now, would I be shocked if she breaks 220 in the marathon? Absolutely not. Particularly since she's gotten smart. And some people are giving her a grief because Ryan Hall was complaining about the new shoes, you know, a year or two ago or six months ago. They've gotten on board and they wore the new shoes. We don't know exactly what shoe they've ra- they've worn, but I'm not giving them any grief about this. So what? People are like, they're hypocrites. I'm like, no, they're not. Ryan Hall said he didn't like the shoe rules. He thought it was redefining what's a good time in the marathon. The problem is World Athletics looked at the rule, looked at everything and said, you know what, we're keeping these shoes. So you'd only be you'd be an idiot if you didn't adapt to the times and wear the new shoes. So they got new shoes. Now, what bothers people is the shoes she wore are not commercially available on the market. It sounds like they actually may be on the market. They may be in like Adidas shoes that they customized the upper to make them look like Asics. But it's not really clear. It kind of bothers some people the wrong way. But big picture, I've got no problem with her wearing the same shoes that everybody else has. I still have a problem with the way these shoes. Like World Athletics comes out with a new rule saying you have to wear a shoe that's available in stores, except if you ask for permission, we'll let you wear them without and not tell anyone ahead of time. They should issue a press release before the damn race goes off about who's wearing a shoe that is not available in a store.
1: Well, yeah, here's the issue. Like, look, I don't think anyone's contesting that Sarah's shoes were constructed fairly. That, like, they clear, they meet all the requirements in terms of that. But the issue here is that. For years, World Athletics had a rule on the book saying shoes must be reasonably available to all, and people were flouting this rule, people were running in prototypes, and it just wasn't enforced. So finally, they come out with new rules this year. They do it first in January, then they update them in July, and everyone kind of expects, okay, now that they've actually figured out what to do with these rules, they're going to start enforcing them. And if you look now, they don't actually have that thing like the, the prototype it's sort of changed in terms of they have this reasonably available to all language in there, but that's sort of being changed to now mean that it's part of what they're calling the uh, athletic shoe availability scheme. And you know, if you, if you want to run in an international event with new shoes that haven't been released, you need to make sure that you, these shoes are part of the athletic shoe availability scheme so that people who don't have shoe contracts or you know, other people in this elite field have access to them. And I asked World Athletics, I said, are these, were these shoes she ran in, which ASICS has not given a name. They told Runners World that they were a developmental shoe and didn't say what they were called. And I said, I told, asked World Athletics, are these shoes part of the Athletics shoe availability scheme? And they just didn't, uh, they didn't say yes or no. They said, the specifications of the shoes were submitted for approval before a London marathon. The athlete was given a one-off discretionary approval to wear them for this race, taking into account the disruption caused by the coronavirus pandemic uh, to athletes and shoe companies this year. So they're sort of suggesting that if there hadn't been a pandemic, ASICs would have been able to get more pairs of these shoes for people to run in London. You could, I think people are going to be skeptical about that response, but that's sort of what World Athletics is saying.
2: Because people were spec—I hadn't read that, John—but people were speculating online that these were Adidas bottoms with an Asics upper, sole. So is, has that been has that been categorically denied by no somebody? No
1: one has denied or disproved that.
2: That would be a huge win for Adidas. Adidas should get that out there if that's the case. Because I assumed everyone would want to have the Nike bo- Nike sole. So uh, uh, until John, you just read right there. You gave the indication these possibly could have been Asics shoes. All both upper and the sole of the shoe, but a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook who know shoes were speculating that this was an Adidas sole and an Asics upper. So I just think once again, we're talking about shoes.
0: Yes, but I also think maybe Asics didn't want her to wear the Nikes. Maybe she said you can wear the Adidas bottoms because he won't recognize them as much. Anyways, enough shoes.
1: Well, well, can, can I just wait one final point here is one thing I just want to say before, people worried that the shoes were providing the unfair advantage. And now, this thing, I don't think it's the same issue. I think people are saying, oh, these certain shoes she wore aren't maybe may available to everyone. But in terms of her racing against the other Nike athletes, I think they're they're on pretty much a level playing field. Oh,
0: I don't think we know that. We don't know that. That's why we need to do the study. And I'm soon going to have Jeff Burns on the podcast try to crowd some for- source some money for that. But we have a few other things. Walden's got child care duties. He's got to get out of here soon. He wants to say one or two things. I've got to get to another few, couple points before we get rid of this podcast. I mean, I got a lot of COVID points to make. I was going to have to oh jump God, off, but no. you guys already ran. How does to
1: so mute him, Robert?
0: <laughs> it's like
2: going to be Trump at the debates. So I think I'm going to go grab the baby and come back because uh, I, I can't get this all in in 30 seconds. So I'll be back. I'll be back, fans. I'll be back. Also, wait. Take this time. Take this time to rate and review us right now, everybody. Pull out your phone, go to iTunes, five stars. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Only rate and review us if you're giving us five stars.
1: Leave a comment, too. You definitely leave a review because those help.
2: Oh, yeah. And also, if you want a
0: 159-40 goat shirt, go to shop.letsrun.com.
1: All right, Robert, moving on. Next point.
0: Oh, yes. Update on the shirts. I know I've been promising them to people for a long, 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 long time. They have officially been ordered. That is that is true. They should be here at the Let's Run head, Mid-Atlantic headquarters on October 21st, going out probably the next day, so two to three days after the 22nd. You should have them if you're an American, and you can wear them with pride. Maybe send out a tweet to pick, coat, pick, pick Kipchoge up. Anyways, John, before we move on to some other things besides London, um, I want to ask you, who is the greatest marathoner in the world now? Is it Kitata, or should we give the title to Mr. Lawrence Cherono? In case you remember, last year he won, ran two majors, and he won two majors. He won Boston and Chicago. He's now won seven of his last ten marathons. Now, none of those were majors, but he won Volkswagen. Excuse me, not Volkswagen. He won Prague in 2016, second in some Chinese marathon. Then he won Honolulu. Second in Rotterdam, first in Amsterdam, first in Honolulu again, seventh in London, first in Amsterdam, first in Chicago, first in Boston. Seven wins, ten starts. That's Kipchoge-esque.
1: It's very impressive, Robert, but can, can we wait until Valencia? Because he's running Valencia, and you know who else is running Valencia is another contender for this title. Bahanu Legese, who last year, he won Tokyo in a horrible condition, still ran 204 there. He ran 202 for second behind Bekele in Berlin, and then this year he won Tokyo again. So I think you can I mean you can make a case for Katada. You can say if one of those two, if Legesse or um Toronto wins in Valencia, they're the best. Or I'm still kinda tempted to say Kipchoge. Like, do we just say one bad marathon? Now he's not the best? I mean, if he loses again, I think then you say, okay, we look for someone else. But if he comes back and beats everyone next spring, I think it's still Kipchoge.
0: Yes. And moving ahead, this is interesting to me, John. First of all, it's a financial disaster, COVID-19, for the marathoners. Because, I mean, thank God for Valencia and London, but everything in the spring's already been pushed forward, so they're going to lose another payday. Like, London's in the fall. Tokyo, which was actually held last winter, is now going to be moved to the fall. What are they going to run in the spring? There's nothing on the calendar except for Boston and his – conservative but not conservative like politically but as conservative as the people in boston are about covid i can't imagine that would go on
1: well so have they even opened the qualifying window for boston at this point i feel like they haven't even said that so i don't know but but, this would be great if the only major would
0: be boston could kipchoge possibly come to boston that's question number one question number two is could the Kenyans be dumb enough to keep a keep kipchoge off the olympic team because he was only eighth in this race how many Kenyans beat him in this race And then you're going to have a couple guys in Valencia run faster. So he's certainly not going to be one of the three fastest Kenyans on the year. Then he's not going to have a spring marathon. He may not have a spring marathon to run. Another thing I was thinking about Kipchoge is maybe he just wants to make another payday. He's he's losing out on, on all this money.
1: When has the money ever looked as if it motivated Elliot Kipchoge, Robert?
0: I guess he made a, probably a fortune since there was a $15 million
1: budget he's, for the He's subject. made a ton and he lives in like a 10 by 6 room. I hope play. he's
0: motivated to go to the Olympics and win a second Olympic title. How many people have won two Olympic titles? Is it...
1: It's Waldemar Sapinski, the East German doper from the 70s and 80s, and it's the legendary Abibi Bakila. Those are the only two men. Okay. To win I'm going to gonna
0: give Frank Shorter two since one of those was yeah, gold. we can
1: definitely say sure, did because he won one of the he was second in one of the Sapinski years. I don't think we can
0: definitely say it, but, anyways, one last thing about London I think that they need to have higher prize money, though. I know most of it's appearance fees, but I kind of think that I don't know, put a tiny, tiny asterisk next to Sarah Hall second because when there's only fifteen thousand dollars for second, it's like the people are like, well, I might as well run for the win and see what happens.
1: want to give her a Asterix. I said said tiny. tiny. Uh, The other thing that bothered
0: me about one how about this? You're in a three-way sprint finish for the win, and then they line you up and you're smiling afterwards. I would be pissed as hell if I almost won (laughs) one but didn't win it. Yeah. I couldn't believe the guys were so excited to be second and third. I would have been like, man, I'm devastated.
1: Robert brings me back to my high school days, the 2008 National National History Day competition in Maryland. Our team finished second in the group documentary category. Everyone on my team... Was they was overjoyed? We're like, wow, we got second in the country. This is awesome. And I'm like, I was pissed. We didn't win. I wanted to, I wanted to win. Like, getting, if you didn't get in the top three or whatever, then you're like, uh, well, okay, we got fourth. That's great. Again, second is very tough to stomach when you're so close to first. But to go back to your uh, Kipchoge point, Robert, I would love to see him run Boston. I mean, look, London has shown you can have a stage, a major marathon. And I guess in the middle of a pandemic, and I guess, we're still waiting for sort of all the fallout from that. But it seems like they did a pretty excellent job. You know, they had the Ethiopian coach and runner weren't allowed to come because they tested positive for COVID. If a major marathon, I would hope in the United States by April, we are having NFL games, we're having a major league baseball season. I would hope by April, someone will be able to hold a major marathon. But I don't know if Boston wants to do that. John, Uh, they can
0: hold it. It's not a matter of holding it safely. The issue is how do you pay for it? And they need the mass race to pay for the lead
1: race. I understand that's, that's difficult. So I don't know, maybe this, we call on John Hancock to say, you know, just calm up your game, save the spring marathon season and put a lot of money into it. That'd be great. But yeah, so I'd love to see him run Boston, but I'm thinking of like 2021, the full marathon season. Let's see Boston gets, even if Boston doesn't get moved, here's what we've got in the fall. Berlin, Chicago, Tokyo, New York, and London. All of this coming after the Olympics. I mean, if this all goes as planned and all those marathons happen, we are going to see the most watered-down fields in the history of marathoning. And we could see, like, multiple... American might win Chicago. We could have an American winner win New York. I mean, these fields, it's going to be easy pick for some of these people.
0: Galen Robb's dream comes true. Oh, yeah, Galen's got to do the Olympics, though, so he can't run... I'm kidding. When Galen won Chicago, it was a pretty good field. I don't know how it was. A field, though, When at 35K and 211 pace on a perfect day for running. There was only like five guys in the late pack. But he did win it.
2: I mean, there's a thread talking about how Galen Rupp's Olympic chances are now increased. Do you guys think Galen Rupp, 2020? I guess he'd be 2021 Olympic Well, chances. I
0: think it's cr- – Yes, I, I've said this before, and John ignores the financial aspect. But I think a lot of marathoners may not want to go to the Olympics because they'd rather get a payday. If They're not getting paid this fall. They're not getting paid next spring. They're going to need to get paid at some point.
1: I, I accept that. I said for Chip Choge, I don't think it's relevant. I, I admit. But wait, can we talk about the coverage? Because there's one thing I thought it would be. I thought it would be impossible with. We were all so hot, excited before this race. Wow, the men and women's races, they're going to be completely separate. No overlap. And on the NBC Sports Gold feed, which was the world feed, no commercials either. So you think about this. There's no wib- there's no men's race to cut to. There's no commercials to cut to. There is no mass race to cut to.
0: No wheelchair race as well. The wheelchair race wasn't even overlapping. John, the
1: wheelchair race was that. So you th- you must be thinking, okay finally, finally, we will get a major marathon in which we do not miss the break. Ladies and gentlemen, they couldn't do it. They've spent time, they were cutting back to, I think, the third place, Echede uh, Bacare, and then they have this, the lead vehicle, I think it was like a motorcycle or something, it just it starts speeding up and it's showing you the gap between her and the leaders. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. We get to see the gap. They get back to the leaders and they're like, hmm, that's weird. Uh, Bridget Cosguy is the only one there. And they didn't notice that they had steamed by Ruth Chep And I was like, oh my God, those, these sickos found a way to do it. They missed the break when it seemed impossible to do so.
0: At one point, it's amazing how they do it. Like, like, does a TV producer not understand? There's like, you watch for two hours, you're waiting for when the winner takes off and you miss it every broadcast. At one point I was starting, I had a spreadsheet. I got to find it somewhere I would write down like which percent, which races missed the break. So I need to find that and put it... They did get it in the men's race, I think, but they
1: missed well, it. Well, it's hard. It's all right. Yeah, there wasn't, the break happened like 50 meters from the finish line. So That's
0: a good point. But they had the cool side angle of the men's finish, which was They
1: good. did a great job with the men's finish. Well, actually, I'm not going to give them 100% credit because multiple times on the final lap, they were cutting away from an exa- insanely exciting men's finish to look at the battle for top Brit. That was pretty annoying on the world feed.
0: Anyways, we don't want to complain too much. Thank you, London. You are the pre marathon in the world, and we appreciate you putting on the race. We also didn't talk about Shira Kitata. He got second in 2018. 2019, he said he didn't. He got fourth, but he said he didn't because he didn't eat a full breakfast. He said he would be back to win the race, and he did. But well, I've, I've got to go now about 15 minutes. Weldon has brought the baby back, the medical appointment. Can we move on to something else? I think I found the new NCAA star from Kenya. No. Can one more thing
2: I'm marathoning. Do you guys think there'll be a Boston Marathon in the fall, in the spring? Like, why did London already announce it's going to be in the fall? At this rate, we're not going to have anything. I'm getting worried.
1: Oh, I don't, think, I don't think there'll be a Boston. I do not think it will be in the spring.
2: Okay, John. We got to go to COVID talk. You are in Massachusetts, correct?
1: No, we don't. This is this is an option you are choosing to make. No one is forcing you to do this. You're pivoting this great conversation about a great London marathon to a topic that we talk about every week and seemingly never add any genuine insight to. I found a solution, John. A vaccine? You've got a vaccine? Trump said it was weeks away. This Is, is this the breakthrough?
0: Before Wilson provides his solution, I just want to say this. John gets mad when we downplay COVID just a little bit. Except when it involves Cam Newton, this beloved Patriots quarterback. Cam Newton gets COVID, and then now, like eight days later, he's going to be playing again. And John's it's fine. John's fine with that. Him playing this weekend, no two-week quarantine or anything like that. So, John, repeat after me: If you're young and healthy, this is not a very, very dangerous disease.
1: I've never, I've never said that. That though, people are young. People do die of this, Robert. They're not totally. They're not. It's not death proof. But I admit. Oh, I mean, that, that d-
0: Oh, I, I've taken it seriously all along. And I said, this, actually, I don't want to mention Trump because, I come on, he pisses so many people off, angers so many people. If you're a Trump supporter, that's whatever. I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Oh, well, yeah, I shouldn't have said that because then the Trump haters, are not going to be happy. I don't want to get into Trump politics. But um, when he got COVID, it did remind me of that Jim Ryan Congressional Medal of Honor thing I went to. It was outside. I wore the mask. When I got there, I took it off, but someone did shake my hand. I was like, my first reaction was really, we're going to shake hands. Now they had hand sanitizer. So I immediately put it on, but everyone's like, well, I got tested at the white house. And I thought to myself, well, that doesn't mean anything. That means you were clear like a few hours ago, but you could still be not having your system yet. So anyways.
2: Okay. This is actually a perfect segue. I got told you guys nothing. Yes, John, of course COVID kills young people. The flu has killed more young people though this year than COVID fact. And John, this is coming out of, let's see, what what town did I say this was? Have you heard of Barrington, Massachusetts? Great Barrington. I don't know. One of these crackpots on the message boards that some people want censored. He linked to this video. I saw it. This seems reputable from what I can read. This is signed. It's called the Great Barrington Declaration. I will link to it. It is by a Harvard professor, an Oxford University professor, and a Stanford Medical University physician. They are of different political stripes. But the concept is focused protection. And they're like, look, if you're old, your odds of dying are 1,000 times greater, 1,000 than someone younger. And the course of action we're taking is treating everyone the same. And that actually hurts poor, impoverished people who have to go to work or actually can't go to work because we're causing them not to work for four you know, eight months now, it's going to be 12 months, 16 months. So let's be smart about this. Let the young people go about their business. And their hope is in about three months, this thing, because you, you're going to get to herd humidity somehow through a vaccine or through this. And so if we did this, essentially older people, 60 and up, sorry, you're not running a marathon, but young people, you could be running a marathon for sure. And there, maybe everybody could in the spring, but like, why can't young, healthy people go out and run a marathon? let's let's just have some perspective and think about this scientifically and smart and not treat a 25-year-old healthy person the same as a fat 70-year-old guy who ha- happens to be our president
1: i mean there seems to be some sense in this but that basically just sounds like an argument for herd immunity that's what they're arguing for essentially right
2: well yeah that's that's how the disease any disease goes away Viruses go away once, I guess, they completely evaporate, but I think essentially we become immune to this in certain ways. Like this guy said, herd immunity has a negative term. It's just a fact. It's it's not a strategy, and there's what, different ways to go about trying to uh, achieve it.
0: Well, what do you mean? We're either going to get herd immunity through a vaccine or through everyone getting it. There's, those are the only two options. So anyways, enough COVID talk, please. I'm out of here in about 10 minutes. Yes, COVID people who... Th-
2: I'll link to this thing. Tell me why I'm an idiot for thinking this is a great idea. Because, just personally, it aligns perfectly with what I think. With
0: well, this was one of the ideas that the British people were actually going to do way back in the day. We didn't even realize it was a thousand times more dangerous for you know from a young person versus an old person. Anyways, NCAA action last week. Cowboy jamboree. I think I found the newest Kenyan star.
1: I mean, you didn't find him. It's. He, he smoked a, a good field and won easily. I mean, it's fairly easy pr- to pronounce him this, but anyway, tell us about Wesley Kip too, Robert. That was unnecessarily mean spirited on my part, by the way. You know what? I want to apologize, Robert. That was rude. Please let us know about his greatness.
0: Yeah, I, I, I didn't find him, but um, someone found him because he went to Colby junior college was undefeated last year already run 1343 before he showed up at Iowa state 751, but he destroyed the field. Winning in 23:34, Winning by like tw- almost 27 seconds. The guy in second. Good news, folks. Isaiah Rodriguez. Remember that name? He was a true freshman for Oklahoma State. that got fourth a couple years ago then struggled last year. So, beat some quality competition there. So, congrats to Mr. Wesley Kiptu of Iowa State for marking himself as a potential NCAA champion. I still don't understand why they're we're having two cross-country seasons. I think the NCAA should have... Just had the championships in the fall if they were going to have one. You don't have one in the winter, two days after NC indoors. It seems stupid. But that's a story for another day. John, while we're talking about the upcoming races, you found a race that's coming to Michigan, an Ekaden, which is the Japanese relay race, is somehow coming to Michigan. Explain to our viewers what we have to look forward to.
1: Hell yeah. I'm super excited about this. So it is called the Michigan Pro Ekaden. It's being hosted by the Hanson's Brooks Distance Project on October 21st. And it is a co-ed six-stage race. So if you're familiar with how an Ekaden works, it's a road relay. And instead of a baton, they exchange sashes. And the you know whoever's running for you must carry that sash. Usually they wear it uh, just over their chest during each leg. And the legs are 10K, 6.1K, 5K, and then 10K, 6.1K, 5K, which adds up to the marathon distance. And we've got... Hanson's Brooks obviously is sending a team. Atlanta Track Club, NAZ Elite, Roots Running, Team Boulder, Minnesota Distance Elite. And surprise, surprise, Bowerman Track Club is sending a squad here. So they'll be sending out six athletes. I hope this is like the pro team and not some of you know the sub-elite run, because there was also like sort of a sub elite team from Bowerman. So I think if if they send their best guys, I think they're going to be the favorites. But I mean, Naz's got some serious talent now. Uh, I'm super excited for this, and they've got they've already tweeted out the custom sashes with the team the club names on it. So I want to say, you know, first of all, great job by Keith and Kevin Hanson for getting this set up and hosting this event. Great job by. All the other pro teams for, you know, sending their athletes and agreeing to go there. This is not a virtual race or anything like that. It's going to be live in person in Michigan, October 21st. I'm very excited for this event.
0: While we're talking about U.S. races and college track and field on Friday, there's going to be a big vote. The University of Minnesota. Wait,
1: we're just moving on? We're not going to talk about this thing at all? About the heck of it? I mean, yeah. I mean, do, are you excited for it? It kind of seems cool, right? Oh, I'm excited about it.
0: Congratulations. I got I to gotta leave here in five minutes, and, and we still got to get to our VIP subscriber intro for, I mean, preview for tomorrow. And I've got a few other things I need to talk about. So, sounds like Weldon
2: wanted to make a point, though. I think it's great. Kevin and Keith, props. John, I'm kind of like you. I think if Bowerman sends an A team, they win this thing pretty easily. But like you said, NAZ Elite. They signed some new people yesterday.
1: Tyler Day, who's 13-16 indoors this year. And Julia, I think, Conan? Kanan? Let's say Conan, who was 10th in the Olympic marathon trials and still has a big... She was a soccer player in college, didn't start running until her fifth year. So she's got a big room for improvement.
2: Yeah, I was about to say, they signed the soccer player girl. But it's sort of interesting because I haven't heard of... So any of the like bigger traditional clubs signing anyone this year. I guess that really just means Bowerman.
0: Well, I mean, 13-16 is better than, right? I mean, did, did even Cheserick run that fast in college? I don't think he did. Now, that's an American indoor record.
1: 13-18 was Cheserick's college PR.
0: Yeah, I actually called Ben Rosario yesterday to ask, to ask him which uh, Hoka shoes I should purchase. I'm about to use my VIP membership to save 20% of my shoes. And had a nice chat with him. Also, Hulk got re for, for with the NAZ Elite, so congrats t- to them for having some stability for the um t- time to come. But I want to talk about Minnesota real quick, John. I talked to John Simons, who is the sub former at mile. He was a former Big Ten champ at the mile. He's like a 29-year-old guy. He's now the distance coach at Dartmouth, John's alma mater, at least the assistant distance coach. He's written an editorial we have up in Let's Run about on Friday they're voting the Board of Trustees And this vote is is decisive. Men's track will either be gone or staying at the University of Minnesota. And he said there's like three negatives, definite, four positives. So it's basically split, and there's like five or six undecided. So we'll see what happens. But it's pretty scary because it's pretty clear to him that they're just trying to get rid of every single minor sport, and they don't care about these sports at all. And they're getting rid – they know that they can't cut the the PR hit – to the women's team, it would be bad if they try to cut a women's team. They can't really do it because of title IX. So they're cutting all these men's teams. But when they cut these men's teams, they're going to still have, now going to have a huge title IX discrepancy. They're going to have way too many women's athletes. So instead of cutting women's teams, they're just going to cut the women's rosters like in half. They will have to cut seventy-seven roster spots on women's track and field. So if you're a woman here and you think, "Oh, it's just men's track. I don't really care," well, guess what? They're going to cut. They're going to end up cutting like over twenty percent of all women's. Uh, athletes at Minnesota to be cut, once they cut them in if this goes through. And I also had a, a nice talk with Dennis Mitchell, the college coach at um, Akron. And, you know, he, he wants to start some sort of solidified group where we, we try to get everyone saying, like, we can, we won't cut any more programs during COVID, et cetera. But the diversity angle of track and field is amazing. It's something like 50% of all minority coaches at the NCAA level are track coaches. So, but the other thing he pointed out was, if you look at the Power Five conferences when they only have the women's team and not the men's team, they're all terrible. So this will be, you know, it's just it's a disgrace. So come on, Minnesota. If, if you want more information, go to savegophertf.org. And guys, I'm gonna have to part out before the Valencia preview for the VIP subscribers, but I want to talk about one thing on my way out the door for this doctor's appointment. How come we haven't talked about perhaps the performance of the week? The 1240, 5,000-meter run that came in Nairobi. It wasn't actually a 1240, but somebody ran 1308 at altitude, which if you use the NCAA altitude conversion, that's a 1240.
1: Okay, but that's why this NCAA altitude conversion is flawed, because this is a Kenya. This is Nicholas Kameli, who is really good. He ran 1251 earlier this year in the same race that uh, Chip the guy broke the world record. He ran 26.58 in the Netherlands a couple weeks ago, but we I think it, we've seen now that Kenyan times at altitude, if you're born and raised and live at altitude the whole time, and you're running at 5,800 feet, I don't think it affects you as much as it might you know, someone in America who's going up, who's trains at sea level all the year th- round, and then goes up to compete at altitude. I think that the NCAA conversion formulas serve their purpose, they're helpful, but... I don't think it's a perfect analogy, especially for someone as elite as Kameli who's, you know, lifelong altitude guy.
2: Well, the good news is, isn't Kameli the world number two this year at 5K, John?
1: Uh, no, that's Mohamed, 1247.
2: Oh, number three, then?
1: Nope. Kip Limo and Borrega from, uh, where was it? Estrava, I think. How about he got second
2: in the world record run? Yeah, that's a fact. Yes. So he's very good at 5k and he's pacing the 10,000 meter world record attempt tomorrow. So they've got a very good pacer.
1: Yeah, no, this is about as, as good as you could ask for is a, tw- a guy who's run 1251 and 2658 this year. And, you know, maybe he's a little tired coming from Nairobi, but he's only sp- asked, being asked to run 1305, which for him should be well within his we- wheelhouse. And we'll get to a full preview of that Valencia World Record attempt uh, in our subscriber-only version. If you're not a subscriber, let'srun.com slash subscribe. You can sign up for the Let's Run Supporters Club, get massive shoe discounts, all that good stuff, and exclusive podcast content. Well, then, do we have anything else before we close out the regular edition of the pod here?
2: I mean, I think there's a few things in London we could try to talk about. We haven't addressed, but like, but Kaylee pulling out, like, what's his future?
1: Yeah, let's let's start there. So, I mean, it's not a good sign, but I think you know we did an emergency reaction to this. He has a track record of doing this before marathons. Like, he was supposed to run Tokyo in 2019 and he pulled out. He DNF'd Amsterdam in 2018. You know, he has DNF'd or DNS'd a lot of his races, and I don't think it means he's done, but. He's 38, and it's unlike... I don't think he has many, you know, more top races in him. And it's disappointing. This was a good opportunity for that. So I'm not totally... Look, we've written this guy off a bunch, like multiple times, and he still came back and ran 201 last year. He's still only a year removed from running 201. So I'm not writing him off, but I think more than anything, I'm disappointed because I know the end's coming for him, I would say, two or three years, tops. And... This was, we hoped, one big opportunity for him to show something, and he wasn't able to take it. So hope he's back for 2021, can get in a marathon or two, but I wouldn't expect him. I think by Paris 2024, he's probably retired at that point.
2: Yeah, I forgot. We had a subscribers-only podcast when Bakaley pulled out of London, right, John? So we talked about some of these things, but some of these threads sort of touch on some stuff, and there's some nugget of wisdom. People point out stuff. I think we've talked a lot about London, but I thought some of these were good we mentioned this. Ruff's chances for London went way up today. Ryan Hall deletes his Facebook rant against prototype Nike shoes. Well, people are like, my take is if you posted something online, deleting it, you know, the cover up is worse than the crime. Ryan's allowed to change his views on shoes.
1: I've been told this is fake news and that his rant was on Instagram, not Facebook, and that his Instagram rant's still up.
2: See, fair enough. Did Bakile just make his best decision in 18 months regards to the Olympics? The question for Bekele, though, the problem for him is he's got to get selected to the Ethiopian <laughs> team. We'll ignore Trump triumphing over COVID, John. But this one I thought was stupid. What would happen if a truly East African junior ran for an American high school?
1: I mean, have they heard of Edward Chedzarek? He came over and destroyed everyone for two years. Like, Futsum some Zainal Slossy before him, won an XN. We, we've had several examples of this, and frequently it goes very well. I think for the
2: regular pod, that might be it.
1: Yeah, well, then I think it's probably best that we end this regular version of the podcast because you've got a baby on your hands making all kinds of noise. Maybe she needs to be fed or something. I, You, know, you probably know better than I do. But we'll wrap this one up after, again, thank you, London, for putting on this race. It was fantastic to watch. And subscribers, stay tuned. We will break down Joshua guys world record attempt in Valencia on Wednesday right now.